everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network, your home for professional development. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and welcome to the Tech Educator Podcast. Tonight on the show, we're going to be talking all about badging, online professional development, and how you and your school district can create a fantastic professional development plan. And tonight, we have three amazing guests talking all about what you guys can do to create amazing digital learning for you and your staff members. Before we get into all of that, there's, of course, several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of this and all of our shows on TeacherCast. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. And, of course, you can subscribe to this and all of our shows over on TeacherCast.net slash audio and TeacherCast.net slash video. And as you might have heard from our pre-show, this is that time of year where we're getting ready for ISTE. I have three guests that are going to be meeting me out there at ISTE, having a great time out in San Antonio. I am so looking forward to it. Don't forget that we're going to be doing our salute to ISTE in two weeks. It's the Tuesday before ISTE comes in. Next week, we're going to be talking to a great author named Ross Cooper about his new book, all about project-based learning. But tonight, we have our guests from a great company called Kite Learning on, talk, talking all about online professional development. I want to welcome from Kite Learning, Braden. Braden, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Jeff. Thank you very much. So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about Kite Learning. Sure. Yeah. So Asher and I, who you'll meet in a minute, um, started Kite Learning uh, oh, a little over two years ago now. Um, it kind of came out of our, our experience as a te technology integration specialist ourselves um, and our frustration there trying to reach every single teacher and help them on their varying skill levels when it came to using technology. Um, we couldn't be everywhere at once, so it was a, a constant frustration. We started putting content online and, and kind of started seeing, oh, people go and learn things online, uh, sometimes just as effectively as they do in person. So it started kind of acting as a supplement to our in-service days and our in-person professional developments, which certainly still have value. And uh, what it's kind of blossomed into today is a huge library of ed tech content that's actually created by other educators around the country. Um, any educator can come apply to become a content creator. We kind of go through and vet them as a creator, um, it, along with our partner, ISTE. Uh, they help us vet every creator that comes in the door. And then they take that content once it's been vetted and created around how to use a particular piece of technology in the classroom and align it to their standards. So it's an online library now that, uh, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, that allows you to earn certifications and badges uh, around the use of technology in the classroom, not just the fundamentals of how do I you know, navigate the file menu and such, but more importantly, how do I take technology and the padlets and the quizlets and the poplets and the thislets and thatlets out there and actually apply them in my teaching? And of course, I want to bring on your co-founder, Asher. How are you today? Welcome to the program. I'm doing good. How are you? Thank you so much. It is great to see you again. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing out there with Kite Learning. I know Braden just gave us a little bit of the rundown, but as we head into the summertime, especially as we head into the ISTE season, what can we expect from Kite Learning? Well, we have been working on a lot of things. Like, like you just said, Braden gave a really good explanation. Really, you know, he usually does the explanation of what we do. Um, but we are super excited to be talking about badging. We've been working on and talking with people for over, you know, over the, since we started this about two years ago about how to continue to make or continue to make the badges and micro credentials and certifications more meaningful for the teacher. Um, how, how they can, uh, you know, really take those and apply them to their, their life, whether that's their job or just, you know, in the classroom experience. So, um, we have some stuff, you know, just as kite learning, I, I kind of help with the, the oversee the product team. So I work with the developers and design and, and everything to, to push some stuff out. We have some, we have some exciting stuff that's going to be coming out this fall for schools to really help them, um, create those badging experiences and, and tie that with, um, not only their own content that they produce, but other people's content out there and, and really try to try to try to make it meaningful for the end use of the teacher. So super excited to be a part of the conversation. And thank you guys for being here. You know, I love the fact that Kite Learning, as you guys said, it's for, from teachers for teachers. And I want to bring on our next guest tonight, who is a teacher and now works at the county level in professional development. Kate, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, oh, I'm so excited to be here tonight and just be connected with all of you guys virtually face-to-face. -face. Um, so I'm Kate Tolnai. I work out of the Santa Clara County Office of Education, which is in the heart of Silicon Valley. So our 
um, team of three academic tech specialists support uh, gosh, over 300,000 students throughout the Valley, um, more than 12,000 teachers and hundreds and hundreds of administrators, as well as our internal programs. And so our, our job has really evolved over the last year and a half. Um, when I first joined the team, it, it looked a lot like um, traditional face-to-face -face trainings. We would go to the school districts, we would gather the crowds that we could, but everybody knows the, the stress at the end of the school day, trying to get a teacher to pop in at 3.30 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon is not easy. So um, we, I have been studying and researching and advocating for um, competency-based learning and digital badges since about 2012. And the, the, the time was right. And we realized that this was a ripe opportunity to, to transition our offerings um, from face-to-face -to, -face to more online and um, choice-based, you know, uh, kind of on-demand learning at your own pace, at your own place. And so that's what we've done. And we've spent the last about 10 months really making that transition. And we've had a lot of success, still very much in the pilot stage, but getting so much information um, partnering with amazing um, industries, uh, industry members like like Google and Common Sense Media, um, and and also higher ed. All of our micro credentials are backed by the University of Pacific semester units. So um, teachers who earn our credits actually unlock semester units, which has really helped our districts kind of wrap their heads around competency based learning. It's super hard to move along a, a traditional salary schedule when um, seat time is not the the main per, uh, the main metric that you're acknowledging things. So, anyways, it's just been an adventure, and I'm and I you know have connected with Asher and Braden at different conferences, and I really admire the work that they've done and the entry points that they've created for a lot of teachers. Um, and I think it's neat to see you know how you can how you can create on demand learning in a lot of different ways um, because we do it differently, but it's it's all still really valuable. So I have to apologize to all of our listeners if I seem a little giddy and if I seem a little kid in a toy box tonight. You see, uh, in my school district, I'm uh, being charged with creating a brand new professional development curriculum for our school district. And all of the things that we're going to be talking about is exactly what I've been working on for the last six months. And so I, I kind of want to just open up to everybody in here and see if we can just start the conversation. And and by the way, if anybody out there is watching, I know we have a big chat box right now going over on TeacherCast.tv. Again, we're live here on Tuesday nights. Please throw your questions in there. I see Kevin's here. I want to say hi to Joe and Peggy. And I have a bunch of people that are they're watching on Facebook Live right now on Periscope and Twitter. Thank you guys for supporting this show. Please make sure that you subscribe to this and all of our videos over on, over on YouTube and uh, iTunes right there. Um, it's 2017 going into 2018. What does professional development look like? Is it face-to-face? -face? Is it online? I, I think it's still a combination of both. What What is professional development? What do our teachers ask from us in 2017, 2018? I think they want voice. I think they want to be in charge of their learning. They, they know what they want to know more about. And I think the best professional develop is, development is the, the kind that, you know, sets the stage but gets out of the way for them to pursue their passions and their curiosities. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, the whole reason Bray and I started getting into this is we, like he was saying in his introduction, we used to, you know, bring the teachers into a cafeteria and, you know, start start trying to do our trainings. And we'd always teach the middle because we would have a subject we had to teach. And half the staff, you know, was overwhelmed because it was something 100% new to them. They were worrying about giving their end of year tests and all kinds of stuff. And then the other half the staff said, I already know this. Why do I have to be here? Um, you know, and and when you take the professional development offerings online um, and if they're done right, you can really empower that teacher to explore, like, um, like you were saying, Kate is to explore their, their interests and their passions and, and hopefully take that to a whole new level. You know, our, our mission statement um, from the get go was to inspire um, teachers to embrace technology in the classroom. And uh, you know, and obviously professional development spans way out outside of the technology, but it is, Technology touches every student these days, and so, you know, it's it's important for teachers to to understand how it works, and you know, and to really explore what works for themselves, not just 
because it is different for every teacher. Every teacher, you know, has different tech and they use it in different ways in the classroom. So, well, let, let me pick up on what you just said there. You had said if it's done right. Now, the one thing that I've gathered from the last six months of research and the last two years of being a tech coach is teachers want to learn. Teachers want the information brought to them, but teachers it's not that they don't want to be held accountable for the information, but if I give you a how to make a website and then give you an online quiz, that sometimes turns people off. So how do you provide information yet at the same time provide the opportunity for them to be held accountable? Yeah. I think what we were, we're talking about a little earlier there. So, you know, Kate mentioned that, uh, that, you know, choice and teachers being able to own their learning and, you know, have access to it and kind of, you know, go after their own curiosities and things like that. I think that's absolutely essential right now, kind of in any time, any place, everywhere, learning um, on subjects that, you know, you are interested in uh, is, is key. And then Asher kind of talked about learning the skills and, you know, teachers being inspired to use the technology in the classroom or any, you know, any professional development. But I was kind of referring to the mastery of a concept. And you, you had mentioned, Jeff, you know, sometimes it's a turnoff and not that teachers don't want to be held accountable, but to go on and, and watch five videos and then take a quiz doesn't necessarily feel like you're getting the full effect. And where that comes to me is is this this concept of mastery of really understanding how to use it. And for so long, it's been about tutorial based content. How do I use a tool? And I think we're moving past that. You know, I mean, Kate mentioned the, the time frame 2012. And back then when we were deploying a lot of hardware with the previous company, no one was asking these questions. They were asking, how can I get them technology in my classroom? Everyone's doing it. We got to have it. And now the question is turning to how is that technology really affecting learning? And teachers are, are increasingly more um, aware of how these students are digital natives. And really, they need to know not only how to use the technology. That's kind of a given, right? You, they, you, don't, I don't, you don't see resumes come in these days anymore, or at least you shouldn't, that say, I'm proficient with Microsoft Excel and Word. Right. That, that's kind of a baseline skill everyone should have. Right. What they need to know now is how am I going to take this into the classroom and actually teach my third graders about, you know, units of measurement in a way that's engaging uh, to them. OK, talk to us a little bit about your version of PD. I mean, you're not just doing this for a school district. You're doing this for a county full of school districts. Mm-hmm. When, when you are in your meetings trying to figure out how to serve thousands of teachers are you looking at it more from a one-to-one or you know one to small group point of view or are you looking at it as okay how can i create online learning for our teachers and and administrators yeah that's a great question and and we base it on data i mean that's number one at the core of of our our motivation here is we look at um we we look at survey results that we have access to um, which basically unpacks um for our participating districts it unpacks kind of their high need areas, whether it's um, basic tech skills or maybe collaboration in the classroom or, um, you know, cultural shifts. That's another piece too. And we haven't even talked yet about the support that we provide for administrators, um, which is definitely just such a constituency that needs more attention in TLC. Um, But that's another point. To answer your question directly though, I think um, it's about the data. It's about seeing what the needs are. But then it's also just taking inventory on what requests are coming in. And what we found was that time and time again, our districts would would come to us and say, we need Google training. We need Google Classroom training. We need Google this training because Chromebooks are rampant in Silicon Valley. I mean, everybody has, not everybody, but a lot of people have those devices. And so that's what, that's what uh, you know, teachers on special assignment and district leaders are thinking and needing. Um, so we thought, okay, the way that we as a county can stay relevant is to create these on-demand basic Google learning experiences that align to the level one certification so that they can also kind of unlock that and prepare themselves for that. Um, but that really empower the learner to say, okay, I'm strong on docs. I'm strong on slides. I don't know sheets. I just need to spend an hour and I need to learn sheets. And so what we've built are these micro courses, a component of what we built, that actually um, start with pedagogy. We always start with pedagogy and we end with classroom application. That's kind of our little sandwich, our little hamburger model. And in the middle there, we throw the proficiencies in. Um, So so we looked at what we were being asked to do. And then, quite frankly, we are hoping that as time moves on, the requests that come to us are 
for more innovative trainings, you know, because we're hoping that the face-to-face -face time can can become, you know, let's do robotics together. Let's let's figure out, you know, we'll bring our 12 Spiros. Let's get everybody together in a room and let's have Spiro races because you can't really do that online. But you can you can learn some of these other hard skills online. So um, so yeah, it's looking at data and then just figuring out what we're being asked to do. You know, when I'm looking at different ways of doing professional development, you know, as, as Kate just said, it seems like every district is putting their own spin on what it is. And I've talked to a lot of tech coaches and said, you know, your district is making the how to do Google Classroom video. My district is doing the how to do Google Classroom yeah. video. You're, if there was only one spot that we can go to where there's material created by teachers for te Oh, wait, we already have one of those. Oh, wait. <laughs> we have a good one of those. Uh, Braden, talk yeah. to us a little bit about how somebody can get a hold of Kite Learning and uh, join. And, um, and what exactly can teachers look forward to? Yeah, in kitelearning.com is the simplest way to do it. Uh, it's go create an account there for free. Um, it's Kite. We, we spelled it wrong intentionally because we figured teachers would love that, right? It's spelled uh, K-Y-T-E. Um, so kitelearning.com, you can register for a, a, a free account there and get in. We have a lot of courses you can get in there and take for free. Um, we've got, I think we're creeping up on th about 300 courses, aren't we, Asher? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, that are in the library. So you can go in and explore that entire library. You can watch the introductions to all those videos. Um, but it's all video-based content. Um, and, and what they can expect to see is just, we, we really do focus on the technology aspect of it. So you know, we've mentioned tools on this call already. We are on this this uh, hangout already. We've talked about Microsoft and Google Chromebooks and Google Classroom. We've talked about Socrative and Quizlet and Poplet. I mean, Canvas, uh, Haiku Learning, you name it. Um, because teachers are creating this content, it's really driven by the teachers. So we don't really have a lot of irrelevant stuff that teachers aren't using because we only take the content that teachers say, hey, I'm using this every single day. I want to do a course on it. And again, it's the how am I using it in the classroom that they're showcasing rather than the this is how you're going to push the buttons. We have a great live chat over here on teachercast.tv and Joe and Peggy are completely lighting up the board here. They they have a couple of questions for us and, and this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart here which is micro-credentials or otherwise known as digital badging. Um, I, I've often asked the question, does it work? Does an adult need to get a cookie to be incentivized? And as soon as I asked that question, I looked at, it at my phone and it says, oh, push this button five more times and we'll give you a bonus point. So obviously micro-credentials work in some point and, and it, it motivates you a little bit. Uh, guys, talk to us a little bit about what Kite's doing with micro-credentials and, and then maybe, Kate, we can follow it up with how can we implement digital badging into our schools yeah. So that okay, people wait, actually can want I jump to in? do no, wait, Can I jump in? Can I oh, jump in? please. <laughs> this is one of these hot spots, And it's so interesting because um, I just spent about an hour yesterday talking on the phone with really, really, really smart people who are involved with micro-credentialing. And all, all we were trying to do was come up with a shared definition for what a micro-credential is. It's not easy. There's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of confusion and a lot of people think that they know what it is, but they don't quite know what it is. Um, and and so maybe for the sake of just moving forward, could I propose a, def a working definition? Please. And then you guys can see if it feels we'll, we'll okay. We'll see how it matches up because it's, it's always good to yeah, hear everyone's opinions. Yeah. So um, one thing to clarify is that a, a digital badge is not a micro-credential. Uh-oh. Um, if you, I know, right? So there's, there's the first disruption. Um, let's, let's think for a moment about pizza. Uh, we like pizza. We eat pizza. Um, if you take all those raw, raw ingredients, the flour, the water, the, the tomatoes, the cheese, all that stuff, that's all your competencies. Those are all your skills that you as an earner are showing proficiency at. Um, and as somebody who's designing the micro-credential, you're creating tasks that will prompt me to show you I know how to do that. So for example, I will show you I know how to share a Google document. I will show you I know how to code. Um, those are those are hard skills. When you take all those raw materials and you bake it in this oven, it comes out with a delicious pie. That is your transcript of learning. That's your, that's your ultimate evidence. That is your micro-credential, okay? It goes inside of a pizza box and the lid closes and everybody sees the pizza box. That's the badge. I am going to enjoy so your ISTE presentation. <laughs> uh, we're, on, we're on the same page, by the way, Kate. So uh, okay. agreed. <laughs> 
I, yeah, okay, good. the key thing to those those badges these days is really like you you said the the transcript, the showing of what it took to earn that badge. That badge is a visual representation of something. What is that? And that really depends on the organization who's defining what that badge is to them. Um, you know, we we I was just in a Brayden and I were in a conversation with some um, people from the state office of education here in Utah and also up in Idaho. And you know, we were having the same conversation. You know, it was micro credentialing and badging and everyone's like, well, what the heck is it? And so we're like, well, you know, and you, you start those conversations, everyone has their own opinion. Um, you know, we're always trying to make those more beneficial to a teacher. And the hard thing for us as a is we, when we offer a badge or a certificate, every district out there may have a different opinion of what that should mean for them. Um, so we're, we're really trying to, to enhance that and make it more powerful for every district or school that uses our platform with their teachers, where they can customize those a little bit more for them. Um, and then on the other side, for our individual te teachers that come to us just to explore and learn on their own free will, we're really working hard. You know, like you said, the University Pacific is a great one, but we have some we have some universities that we work with as well to try to, you know, give some kind of uh, value to those to those teachers so they can be, you know, for continuing learning or, or whatever it might be in universities. But uh, I think you you hit the you know the net or the what is it hit the nail with the hammer? No, on the head. On the, the head. nail on yeah, the that's head. That's what. <laughs> always makes fun of me because I'm always trying to say these things and whatever. You know, I I know what I'm trying to say up here. You got to take everything Asher says with a grain of sand, right, Asher? <laughs> and, and, and when I he, literally said that, and he's made fun of me for it. So w when he gets it right, do you give him a micro credential or do you give him a badge? Um, I and give him multiple. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a participatory badge, is all, Jeff, because that's what a lot of badges are. They're participatory. They're indicative of I participated in something. I took a quiz, but I didn't actually earn anything. Like Kate said, it's the demonstration of. Let me show you the skill. It's not just the participatory passive action of, like you said, Jeff, watching a couple videos, taking an assessment and saying, I got a badge slash micro credential. There's, there's no slash. They're, they're two different things. So if you are creating an online course, because there's a lot of tech coaches that watch this show and are watching this show, and I was going to give you a, a five video thing on, I would call it an online course, whatever you want to call it, right? On how to do Google Docs. Each of those videos would have a mission that says, okay, this video is going to teach you how to do uh, columns. Now go show me columns. And each of those little things is the micro-credential that once you get past all five videos, that's your badge for Google Docs. Am I, am I getting it, it the right I mean, way? I mean, like I said, it's, it's really hard because every organization has their own definition. I mean, your requirement of what, your, what builds up to your badge is up to you, which is the really hard thing about making micro-credentials and badges mean something in the real world. Um, you know, you, you want it, to, whatever the outcome of that badge is, you want it to be impactful for that teacher. So, you know, maybe just Google Docs is something that's impactful for a teacher. Um, other people might have opinions where they need to know more than just Google Docs, because that's just baseline learning, right? Like, okay, it's one thing to know how to insert a table, but if I'm trying to do a collaborative um, history assignment with my fifth graders, where the heck do I begin with that? And how do I show that? What are, what are my steps? I mean, so you can, you can make it as complicated as you want or as simple as you want. Um, you know, your little, your little elements of micro learning are very important because those are stepping stones that lead up to something. So you could do something like that. Um, but you know, some people might not find that as meaningful as, as, as other types of badges but the question that i still have and 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 maybe i'm going to keep asking this one until i finally just get it in my head here is how do you do this with a school district or how do you do this to a school district without upsetting every single teacher because let's yeah. face it the only i don't want to say the only way but the only way you're going to get 500 faculty members to buy into the system is if you mandate staff has to do this and then if the staff has to do this and every three feet of the step, they have to take a micro-credentials quiz or show proof. Yeah. You're going to upset an awful lot of friends. We really try to push for <laughs> the bottom-up approach for the, the teachers to yeah. learn it. And we work hard. Like, every school or district signs up. We learned early on, um, you know, through, you know, our own faults that we needed to have a dedicated person that works with these school districts or schools when they come on to try to figure out where they're coming from and then also to try to help them craft something that is meaningful for the teacher, um, you know, which hopefully in the end that is, that aligns with what the, the district wants or the organization wants as well. They want it to be meaningful for them too. Um, but really trying to do things that incentivize the teacher to do it 
instead of saying, you know what, this is what you have to do. Um, no one likes that. Um, well, you know better than anybody, uh, Kate. I mean, Santa Clara has got a lot going on. So, how, I mean, that's a perfect question for you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I would say, you know, you a couple of times, Jeff, you've mentioned like take the quiz, assessing competency. We actually um, set up our teachers to demonstrate. And I think the difference there is it's not about recall, it's about synthesis and application. And so when and um, one, you know, we do have these Google courses, but then we also have several academies which are geared, they're, they're written to take anywhere from six to eight hours about of seat time. Um, and they're each worth one semester unit. Um, and we have one in particular that's focused on global learning. And so um, one of the um, activities is for them to look at five different platforms to take virtual field trips or to participate in some sort of global learning experience. Um, explore by the seat of your pants, Skype in the classroom, mystery hangouts, there's there's five of them. Google Expeditions is another one. So basically uh, the proficiency we ask for after that task, after we've introduced them to these five is we say, check them all out, choose one that you would like to pursue and tell us why. Um, and that's one piece of nano learning. The next activity is now participate. You as a teacher, go go be a learner. Go sit in, in a, a, a mystery Skype session. Um, go feel what a Google Expeditions is like um, and reflect on that. And, and your, the proficiency they have to show is um, they have to fill out a, a Google form where they're reflecting and they're thinking about how they would apply this in their classroom and what subject would this make sense with and why is this attractive to my students? Is this the right fit for my students? So they're doing all this heavy reflecting, which is, you know, a, a, a wonderful thing, but it's a heavy ask on us as issuers because we we hand grade those, you know, we're assessing, we are reading reflections, we're, we're giving feedback. If they don't meet our rubric that we put in our syllabus, it's back to the drawing board for them, but we support them along the way. So it's actually, um, if you think of like project-based learning, it's very much more like that than any sort of like recall assessment piece. So and then that empowers them to showcase their own learning. So I want to throw something else in the mix here, because this has come up a few times in the chat tonight, which is, and I'm basically paraphrasing what's in the chat here. The only way that I can make our teachers do something through incentive is through money. Yeah, no, I get it. Listen, the incentive piece is huge, 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 and huge again. Um, it is by far the most common conversation I have with our district leaders. Um, and I will tell you this, that if you think you're going to force your teachers to do it, beware of the union, because <laughs> that's when they swoop in and they say, um, that's not, that needs to be a part of negotiations. That's not something our teachers are going to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is where I find gamification fits in really beautifully because if you create this culture of celebration, this culture of clarify your skills, like become an expert, let's build capacity. I mean, it's so much more a cultural piece than anything else. Um, yes, money is important and valuable and, and ultimately what we want, but as, as leaders, we need to spend time thinking about what lights the fire of our teachers in our community outside of money. You know, what really, what really is the currency in my community? Because yes, money matters, but maybe being featured on the school website matters too. Maybe getting a couple devices for your classroom matters too. Maybe going to a conference matters too. So it's really, you know, it's a matter of, of taking the time to, to get to know your community and, and the currencies that are unique to those people and then figuring out your incentive plan from there. And I think it doesn't have to be directly tied to it either. I think what Kate says is excellent is finding out what other what other form of currency is important to people in the community. That's essential. But we have a lot of schools and, and honestly it is it's 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 the district that has to do this. I mean we can we can give you a fantastic platform as a company and we can give you all the tools you need, but it's really on the district at that point and our customer success team works tirelessly with districts to actually then take it and apply it and do it and use it and try to get their teachers motivated and incentivized. And so the ones that do it the best, um, they do have something tied in there. So, you know, I'm thinking right now uh, of one particular school it's, uh, in uh, Idaho, and they've, they've partnered as a district with uh, CSI, the College of Southern Idaho. I have to remember the acronym because it's a TV show. Um, <laughs> but uh, CSI, they, they partner with them. So every time for so many, so, so many hours of completion, and, you know, there's, a, there's an argument out there, of, well, should it be based on seat time and hours? And, you know, whatever your stance is on that, for whatever 
for good or bad, uh, right now it's based on what kind of time and effort you're putting in, right? A lot of a lot of getting credentials, especially when they're university-backed ones. Um, so anyway, if they complete a certain number of hours, and I can't remember exactly the details, Asher might know, um, but if they complete a certain number of hours, then the district pays for that credit. And that credit is then awarded to the teacher, which is a huge incentive. These badges, we are make sure that they are, are forever uh, open or legacy. I can't remember exactly the term. Asher knows this, again, better than me. But they can always go back and get them because Kate explained it's a ton of effort that goes into earning them. It's a ton of effort that goes into getting them. And if that district changes schools or goes somewhere else, you always want to be able to take that credential with you and show it and have it be meaningful wherever you go. So I, I do think that indirect incentives like university credit or continuing education units that can lead to pay lane changes or to other things certainly help a teacher get motivated but beyond the, uh, the, the stick, right? I mean, the carrot's always much more appealing. So we had a couple of questions come up here, and I'll, I'll ask the question again that's on the chat, then we'll see if we can mold it a little bit here. So the question is, can Kite Learning um, handle a district that's got over 2,000 staff members? But I'm going to change that a little bit to say, if you're dealing with 100 staff or 2,000 staff, is professional development any different, harder, easier to manage? I'll answer from the Kite side of things real quick, and then I think that other question is a little broader, but... We have many districts that are much bigger than that. Um, so, you know, you're you're there in the heart of Silicon Valley, Kate. We're, we're uh, you know, I can just off the top of my head, just in California, we're with Riverside School District and Pomona School District and Romulan School District and Pasadena School District and Capistrano School District. Um, so we're, we're certainly a very accustomed to working with large districts with thousands of staff and thousands more support staff in, in several cases. Um, and it, kind of going back to our experience, just to really touch quickly on, and then, you know, Kate, you jump in. But uh, when we were running our school, Asher and I, as technology integration specialists, we had a couple hundred staff that we were responsible for, just us two. And uh, I think that the problem becomes amplified uh, when we, we certainly couldn't get to everybody. No way could we get to everybody. We had to go where, you know, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So whatever teachers had the biggest, you know, the biggest challenges, the ones that, you know, broke down into tears in, in the in-service days, which, you know, bless their hearts. I totally understand the overwhelming uh, amount of stress that's placed upon teachers in a lot of cases. That that was that took up all of our time just working with. I, I can't remember. I think it's called the 10 percent rule. Right. 10 percent of the people are 90 percent of your problem or 10 percent of, you know, of what you do is is 90 percent of the time that it takes to do that. That 10 percent. That was always our experience. Yeah. I, I love the sayings, guys. This is cool. Every time that somebody throws out a, a, a saying like that, I just want to say survey says and see what you guys do. Hey, we've been practicing. <laughs> know. You know, I would say the most time consuming part when you're talking about scaling is really um, the ability for whoever is um, assessing to give consistent and clear and meaningful feedback. Um, we are a team of three, and as soon as we um, expand beyond our beta stage and we get into real deal busy work, which is going to happen in August. On August first, we have a huge, um, a, a, a huge release of content. Um, that, yeah, it is. It's an intense thing, um, but it also is what is at the core of our offering, which is um, personalization, personalized learning that. You know, if you're going to entice somebody to, to sign up for an online course, um, you're going to sustain their involvement by making them feel like they're a part of a community and that they're connected to their instructor. Um, and for many people, this is this is probably their first time participating in an online learning environment. So if we screw it up, we're really having a huge impact in the way that they integrate technology as a whole. Um, we don't, you know, we expect these teachers and these administrators to create these massively vibrant online and digital learning environments for their students, yet many of them haven't even participated themselves. So our a huge part of what we focus on is creating a welcoming, um, celebratory, um, very clear, very nano designed so that they can spend 10 or 15 minutes and feel the success of that time on task. Well, well that, so, that but kind it's of... All about that kind of brings up, a, 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 you know, where I was kind of going here, which was when you're trying to create and then install and then distribute a professional development ecosystem, 
it all comes down to to culture, right? I mean, is your is your staff ready to move in this direction? Is your staff interested in you know? So so obviously your staff kind of does what they're needing to be doing, but there's a culture where you see some school districts are oh absolutely we do five you know five days of of, of pre September PD and every teacher's there and every administrator's there and then you see some school districts where you do one day or or you know half a day. Uh, because every teacher, of course, wants to get into their classrooms on that first day of school. How do you create a culture where digital learning, online learning, face-to-face learning is not just accepted, but it becomes the norm? And how long does that take, generally? I, I think Kate, you know, uh, said it well, where, you know, it, it really... You know, you don't want you don't want to mess up the first user's experience, right? And I and I, you know, in where I've gone into my career is, you know, building products, and I really truly try to, you know, make things, and I, I get a, you know, a dopamine hit every time anyone, you know, compliments anything I've ever built, right? Um, but really, when you're building any kind of product, you know, for the first time when a user's, you know, looking at it, it's kind of like the dating process. You know, you don't you don't really want to go on a first date and be picking your nose right? Because they're probably not going to come back. They're not going to go on a second date with me if I was picking my nose on the first date. So it really takes some, some planning. <laughs> if you are implementing this on, on a larger scale or even in a school, it takes planning. And that's, you know, we've, we've said multiple times our customer success team that they really truly are, you know, the key to our school success and our success. Because when we first meet with the district, we say, you know, we're like, well, let's, let's, let's talk about the plan. What are your initiatives? What are you trying to do? What do what do you what are the outcomes you're looking for? Why do you want to implement this? And we really try to build a plan. Um, and whether that's a slow rollout through a district or a, a you know maybe it is they're already used to uh, online learning and they want to implement something new. Like we really truly try to work with the school to you know make the experience for the teachers um, as good as possible. Really try to build that culture is a huge thing. Um, you know, and when you're putting technology into it, technology will amplify whatever's currently going on, right? So it's either going to make your culture better if you have a good culture around technology, or if you drop it into a bad culture around technology, it's going to make it worse because you're going to have a lot of frustration. And so it's really trying to craft that and really trying to help schools, um, you know, and honestly, a lot of schools have great cultures out there. It's just, you know, how, how, how do they start? you know, motivating, motivating those teachers to engage in their, their own learning, um, outside of the classroom time. Um, so it's Simon, it's Simon Sinek, Jeff, it's start with the why, start with the why, what's the why behind all of this? Why are you doing it? What are you trying to do? What's the accomplishment? What, you know, that's really kind of what this conversation's underlying theme has been is starting with the why. I think that's what determines the culture. If everyone can get on board with the why, then the, the culture is going to go itself. It's the same for a school district as it is for a company. If our if our why is we want to help teachers embrace technology in the classroom and be excited about it and engaged with it because that's going to affect the way their students learn and the way they teach. If everyone get on board with that why, then we really don't have a ton of issues that arise because we can kind of come back and compare every decision we make or balance every decision we make off of, okay, this is why we're doing it. Yeah, and the why is the kids, right? I mean, that's right. what it comes down to. It's like I, I, I would challenge any instructor, educator, staff member who's like, "No, I won't." Heels dug in, and I'd be like, "But your kids, like yeah. your students, yeah. like really, you really? That's, that's a no." To throw at them because then they can't say no, yeah. you know, because it truly is. That's what that's education. What what everyone's doing is trying to help the students. So. Yeah. We are here talking. There's a, oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's a slide that I include in a lot of my presentations, and it's this idea that um, gamification is 75% psychology and 25% technology. And if, and I think what we've all been talking about, this really important thread, this culture shift, all of it, that's a psychology piece, right? It's getting people bought in, invested, and feeling like they're a part of a bigger picture. And if that's not happening at the leadership level, it's not gonna happen. And so I said this earlier, and I wanna reinforce the importance of really, you know, our job as professional learning leaders is to harness the capacity of these leaders and put them in a position to share out with confidence so that other people buy in. Um, yeah, 
I just think it's really important. We're here live with the uh, co-founders of Kite Learning, also a fantastic educator, Kate Tolnai. And uh, guys, we, we've had a lot of presentations over the last month or so from our friends at Google and, and Apple recently, and they're all going into AR, VR. And I just wanna, wanted to kind of wrap up today's show by asking your opinions on these different topics here. Does VR and AR eventually have a place in our K-12 professional development? Can you say, Kate, can you see yourself sitting at your desk and then VRing or AR, whatever the right words are, into somebody's <laughs> classroom and working? Or I, I don't know. I, I just want to throw that concept up there for you guys. I, I can I? Please. Can I, yes, take it. So Go. We, with, uh, you know, Braden and, and my, our, our previous company, iSchool Campus, we, for a while there, we had a, a branch of that that was focused purely on providing a training solution for the federal government. And one app that we were developing was, um, a, a, it was an AR app. It was augmented reality um, where they were trying to figure out a better way to train the FFA how to, you know, work with the servers that were needed and all these things, but they couldn't always, it was In really cockpit of an airplane. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the, yeah, you know, the cockpit of an airplane, it's, it's, it's expensive to bring all of these people that need to be trained into that scenario. So we were developing um, very closely with them, these apps that would show these augmented environments where, you know, you'd pop up your iPad and all of a sudden a server rack would pop up or the cockpit of an airplane. And it would tell you, you'd have step-by-step -step instructions on what to do. And so that's, you know, that's already happening. Um, I think in the business world, I think the education world will adopt it. Um, at some point, I don't see it in the next year or so. I think it's going to take a couple years for some some good uses for that to come in. I think there's really cool classroom examples of VR. You know, Google Expeditions is super cool for students to go and explore different worlds and for teachers to really guide that experience. Um, because, you know, the, the, the hard thing with introducing some of these cool technologies is keeping the the focus or the outcome of the, the classroom on track. You don't want to introduce some piece of tech and every student's kind of off in la-la land. Um, and the, the, and it, it can kind of get a little chaotic. So, um, I think it, it, it has a lot of potential to, to come into education. I think it will take a little bit. Um, we're always looking at it. I don't know if Kate's been looking at it, um, for her, for her County, but. Yeah, I mean, we have, but here's, here's where I'm just going to like take a moment to dream and wonder, <laughs> like, what if when we are in our teacher credentialing program or administrative credentialing program, what if there was a VR experience I could put on a headset and all of a sudden I could be put into a classroom, a real classroom with real students, well, real, virtual, right? Um, but like naughty kids talking in the corner and, um, you know, straight-laced kids sitting in the front listening or, you know, I'm given it and, and I'm told what classroom management strategy works. And then I'm actually empowered to go like walk myself virtually over to the kids that are off task and participate in a conversation like what what if that was our teacher training because let me tell you i i adored my teacher prep program i felt ready i felt confident when i went into the classroom but all that went right out the window when i had 30 faces staring at me and i was like oh my god i have these lives in my hands and i'm not sure what to do and um, I actually, Carl Cap is somebody that I really admire, and he wrote a book, The Gamification of Learning and, and Design, and, 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 and what he, and I talked to him, I told him my wondering, like maybe three or four years ago, and he referenced a few resources that are out there, but gosh, if I could, if, if I could talk to the right people, I think there's a market for that, because that's the one thing, one area that I think teacher prep and admin prep programs don't, prep, don't really prep you for, because there's not a real easy way to do it. I mean, imagine an administrator having to deal with a, a staff meeting before actually having to deal with a staff meeting, you know, <laughs> like that would be groundbreaking. So I don't know. That's where I see it fitting in. And I, I'll just jump in super quick, Jeff, but uh, there's tons of apps out there that are still, that are very educational. I mean, I, I think right now we, I think we have a course on it on Erasma. Um, you know, there's, yeah. there's several apps out there that are all augmented reality. I mean, there's one and I can't remember it right now. You can go to the website into the steam category and look, but there's one that, you know, you have a, a body laying, it's a, you print out this target right on a piece of paper and lay it down. And then when you look at it with the app, it shows you the human body and the skeletal system. And then you can turn the nervous system on and the organs. I mean, it, it takes engagement. I will say this to a whole nother level. Like when you put that up on an Apple TV in front of your kids, regardless of their age, if you have the Mars Rover 
on the conference table and you're showing and walking around. Look at this, guys. And, you know, this was this was technology from the 1990s and it's roaming around on Mars. That blows people's minds. So I do think it's only a matter of time where, you know, an iPad has increased the engagement so much and then augmented in virtual reality are just going to continue to increase it as it gets simpler well, and more affordable. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the big part about the Apple keynote this year was – you know the the processing power in in this plus the surface tablets is it's coming scarily close to the point where you really that you don't need the desktop because the iPad Pro is so powerful the surface tablet surface books you, you know you don't need to be tethered to a machine anymore yeah. and they can process sure. all the 3D and graphics it, and and i think that's amazing and i i would say this and this is this will continue to be kind of my my uh, professional mantra which is um, what about the teachers? You know, like we we're so quick to think about resources that are the right fit for the students. But I I am an advocate for getting the teachers on board to learn so that they can bring it to the kids. Right. So it's, it is all about the kids. But what what can we create? What can we dream up? What resources can we provide to teachers or to college students to entice them to to spend time in, in education and in the classroom and maybe even pursue leadership. I, I just think um, what an amazing use of that type of technology. Um, it's And it's a, a real vital one that I think gets overlooked because we, we are all so hyper-focused on the kids. But um, I think you can still focus on the kids but really prioritize teacher prep and all of that because that's what makes or breaks the classroom environment yeah, that is a, and it's a, that's a super unique I would say Kate and extremely important perspective I think you know I was I was just on new schools venture fund today going through all the different companies they've invested in which they've done amazing things but you look at them and and it's it's not as commonplace to find the focus on the teacher the focus on the administrator and and like we've talked about if you don't have administration and teachers and leaders that are guiding that culture that you referenced Jeff it, it, it doesn't matter if your ultimate goal is to help the student because the culture falls apart nothing gets implemented nothing changes and we stay in the continuous cyclical you know 1900 mindset we we've always been in so i think that's a super key point so We've been here for the last almost hour talking about professional development. We've had all the different angles from micro-credentials to digital badging, which we found out are two completely different things. We've talked a little bit about consequences. Um, we, we do have a poll here going on the live chat. Kate, would you figure out a way possibly, if it's at all possible, to stay in your current position and be the Secretary of Education for the country? <laughs> I will. I it would be my honor. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. You've heard it here first on TeacherCast and on the Tech Educator Podcast. Um, guys, before we wrap up, I, I just I know there's people out here watching that are going to be going to ISTE. Can we just kind of wrap up and you know do the ISTE talk here? Kate, I know you've got some some uh, some sessions that you're doing. Where can we find you um, virtually on your socials, but also where can we find you this year at ISTE? Yeah, I am 120% on Twitter when I'm at conferences. So if you just um, find me at, at Kate Tolnai, uh, that's Kate with a C. And uh, check the spelling of Tolnai because that is often misspelled. Uh, but that's me. And um, I do have a, a couple sessions, actually one each day of the conference. So, And they're all in the morning hours. So two of them are on micro-credentials and digital badging, um, one of which is actually highlighting the work that we're doing in the county office so really focusing on that k-12 piece and the other is more of kind of the higher higher level um industry partner piece and then a whole poster session where i'm happy to chat with people and it's going to be based on gamification of formative learning so that that's my schedule and where can we find out uh, some of the great things ha that's happening at kite learning and do you guys happen to know your booth numbers I just looked it up. I did it. I multitasked. Um, I didn't know what it was. It, it's, a, it's a tiny conference, so you'll find us regardless, right? Um, <laughs> joking, but it's uh, we're booth 2008. We're, we're right up next to the entrance this year. So we're we're right next to our, our buddies over at Classcraft, um, but we're, we're booth 2008. So we'll have that, and then we have a poster board session, but I have absolutely no idea when that thing goes. So uh, we'll pay attention. As, as Kate mentioned, we're we tweet up a storm while we're at SD as well. So all the info will be there. Very, very cool. And Braden, before we go, we have a tradition here on the Tech Educator Podcast. We're going to ask you 45 questions and you have 20 seconds to answer them all. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Ready. <laughs> our listeners have no idea. Can you at least tell our listeners what we're talking about or are you allowed to tell our listeners what you're talking about? Are, oh, are we talking about Family Feud? Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, I was, yes. Uh, for the listeners, I'm contractually obligated to not reveal any outcomes, but you can see me and my family on Family Feud in November is what they tell me. Uh, we were contestants on the show and it was very, very fun. So it was a, a first for the national television sphere, uh, you know, scene for me. Uh, Kate was also on in 2006, you said, Kate? 2006, yes. And I so, can share with you we did not win but man it was a close race it's totally worth checking out the rerun so so when yeah. you're on when you're on family feud and they go through the different rounds and you you know each survey has a certain dollar amount is that the micro credential or is that the digital badge <laughs> well there is a proficiency so that is the micro credential <laughs> so each round is the micro credential but the answer. if you if yeah. you earn the what was it what, what, what was it twenty thousand that you won or is it fifteen thousand that you won Braden? Um, oh. I can't remember, but you know, it slipped, it slipped my mind. So tune in in November and that'll refresh my memory too. Watch the feud and see if Braden and his family got the digital badge. I love it. Yeah. I think you should reach out to the show though, Jeff. And you know, this is aired. This is ad time for them. So hey. See if you know, Harvey King swing something your way. I, I need about seven. I need about 10 more years before I can join the family feud here. I'm a, the kids are only three and a half years old. There you go. We'll be okay with all of that. Um, I have a few people asking on the uh, Twitter chat here, or on the uh, on the TeacherCast.tv, what I'm going to be doing on on uh, on uh, wow at ISTE. I have a fantastic plan for ISTE that I again I, I really can't talk about yet, but let's just say it involves our Surface Book friends, and I'll be doing some live broadcasting with them. So I'm um, going to be a little bit more economical with my time this year. Uh, in the past, I've walked around and I've done over 100 interviews and and done everything under the sun. Doesn't mean I'm not going to be going in that direction with our time, but uh, I'm going to be doing some pretty big things with um with all, 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 all I can say is all you have to do is open your windows and you can probably find me. So we'll be doing a lot about that. Uh, we'll probably have a lot more information for you in two weeks over here on the Tech Educator Podcast as we get more stuff done. And if you are there, please check out the brand new TeacherCast.net. Two weeks ago, I completely overhauled it. It is absolutely beautiful. And if I can say so, it is screaming fast. We've also just launched a brand new TeacherCast Insider program where if you want to get the scoop on everything about ISTE and what we're doing and where our live shows are, I'm going to be doing everything through our Insider program. So please check out TeacherCast. It's going to bombard you with, hey, do you want to sign up for this? We have a brand new website that we're sharing only for members of our Insiders program. Thank you. I think we've had over 300 people sign up for that Insiders program in the last week alone. So check out everything that's happening over at TeacherCast.net. Until next time, there are several great ways that you could, of course, reach out. You can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. And of course, you can subscribe to this and all of our shows at TeacherCast.net slash iTunes and teachercast.net slash video.